0: You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Great. I'm going to be starting this series called "Fallproofing Your Life. Fallproofing Your Life. If you don't come to church often or you're fairly new to Redeemer, through the month of August we do a series, and this is the first one. We're going to be looking four weeks at Fall Your Life. What's foolproofing mean? It means how do you avoid failure? How do you avoid failure? And the book of Proverbs is, is somewhere that we'd like to go. Proverbs are simple sayings that are generally true. I looked up on the internet today, if you're an American, you may say this, you've got to kiss a lot of frogs before you meet the handsome prince. It's a general saying that some would say is true. If you're English, you may say, the early bird catches the worm. It's a general saying that's true. I would say that the book of Proverbs is full of statements that are generally true. They're principles rather than necessarily promises. This book has been described as the most down-to-earth book in the Bible. It's written for those that recognize their need of wisdom we know it tells us right at the beginning that the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. This one guy, Ray Ortland, says the book of Proverbs is about the gospel. Good news for the inept through the wisdom of God. It is about grace for sinners. It's about hope. For failures. It's about wisdom for idiots. This book is Jesus Himself coming to us as our counselor, as our sage, as our life coach. And I think as we look at this, I would love to think that we experience Jesus together. I'd love to think over these four weeks that we receive wisdom from God. And I'd love to think that we display what it means to be redeemed people in the world in which we live. So I'm going to be talking about work this morning, work. How do you feel when I say the word to you, work? Some of us, if we're really honest, it's a bit like Bob Parr, Mr. Incredible, as he's known, stuck in a small cubicle doing a rubbish roll when I feel I'm a superhero and I should be doing something else. In the book of Proverbs, I'm going to suggest there are two extremes for how we approach work. And I think it's true today. I think you've got the extreme of idolatry. I approach work and basically it's, what, it's, it's almost what I worship. And the other is escapism. I want to avoid it at all costs. Now what's really true often is when you've got an extreme is we find ourselves somewhere in the middle. Well, let's look at the book and try and find some help here. The first title I'm going to suggest when it comes to work from the book of Proverbs is a sluggard. A sluggard. Proverbs 6 goes like this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? Terrible, isn't it? Obviously, it betrays where I'm thinking. You know, some of you that have got students back from university that are now living at home, you think, I'm going to write down this proverb. <laughs> I'm going to stick it on the fridge just at home. A little of sleep, a little of slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed. Man, I guess we don't use the word sluggard. If we're really honest, you probably use the word slacker. A slacker is a person who shirks work or obligations. They're perceived to be those disaffected, apathetic, cynical or lacking ambition. And so when you read the book of Proverbs, you get this whole theme many times of a sluggard or a slacker. At one time, they even like, say, golly, there's a lion in the street. There's no way I can get out of bed. They just want to sleep. When I was a student in the summer holidays, I used to clean cars. Um, back in the old day, you only got brand new cars once a year. It was The new registration plate used to come out on the 1st of August. So people used to trade in their old cars because they wanted the new registration plate. And I used to clean cars for a garage so the brand new cars went out. And there was a car cleaner there that used to be able to sleep in every car he cleaned. I mean, it was amazing. You know, He, he said, oh, I'm just going to go and clean this car. And half an hour later, you'd find him lying down in the back seat fast asleep. I was chatting to Toby in the office and said, can you think of an example of a, a sluggard nowadays... And he said, well, when I worked in Starbucks, the manager could give you a job and be out the back doing a little order and it should have taken him half an hour and an hour later, he was still on the same order. He said, oh, it feels like a sluggard taking longer over a job than is required. Another suggestion by Toby, Toby works in the office with me, which I found fairly um, disappointing. He said, someone who delegates all the work and doesn't do much themselves. (laughs) I said, Toby, why are you looking at me when you make that suggestion? What are you like? Are you on the end of the spectrum that's a sluggard? Now, I know some of you say, actually, Pete, I don't work. Well, it could be that you're a stay-at-home parent. It could be that you're retired. I think, how do you spend your time? It could be that you're looking for paid work. It could be you're taking a break. So one extreme, I would say, is a sluggard. The other extreme is a cheat. A cheat. It says this in Proverbs 11 the Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favourite with him. And it goes on a very similar thing, because I said there's lots of Proverbs, same kind of theme. Proverbs 20 verse 10, differing weights and differing measures, the Lord detests them both. So this was in a society where literally you'd have the weights there in front of you and they'd balance stuff up. And, you know, maybe people were buying produce or something. and, and, And what they're saying is, look, you are cheating the system for your own gain. So you are being dishonest. So that you, you do really well. You make more money at the expense of others. So that is really what they're saying. They were prepared to morally cut corners and relationally shaft other people for self-gain. They were desperate to get ahead whatever the price. On the spectrum, where are you? The sluggard, slow to commit, often late to do the minimum... Or the cheat, who overcommits, pleases others rather than God. Now, I was thinking, oh, if I'm preaching this this morning, where do you think most people in the church would fit? Well, as a nation, many would say that we're on the cheat end of the spectrum. How can I say that? The average British worker does 8.7 hours a day. Now, some of you just sat there and thought, Lazy lot. I do 10 hours. Yeah, because we're on the cheat end of the spectrum. Overwork for self-gain. The average British worker gets 28 days holiday. If you're in Germany, you can get 41. If you're Italian, 44. If you're Spanish, 46. If you're French, 47. I'm not going to go to America because that makes us all look lazy. (laughs) The average British worker does eight weeks... Unpaid overtime a year. It's almost like golly, they're just so desperate to get ahead. They, they, they're given all the, oh is that what a cheat means? The average British worker has the longest commute in Europe. 53 minutes a day. Now you all sat there and say, Mine's 54. <laughs> the average lunch hour in this nation, lunch hour, it's in the title is 27 minutes. It's almost like, oh, we could try and cheat because actually if I just do a bit more, I could get a bit further, a bit quicker. I would say that your relationship with work is a diagnosis of what you worship. Your relationship with work is... So when I say the word worship, so many of us think, oh, what I worship is what I'm singing about. I've come to church, I do the worship. But actually, I'm going to suggest from Proverbs... Your relationship to work is a diagnosis of how you worship. For many, it's where you get a sense of identity, security, joy, and life. It's fascinating, isn't it? Whenever you socially mix with people, how quickly it becomes, what do you do for a job? Oh, It's almost where you get your identity, your security, your joy, and your life. The sluggard approach wants comfort, rest, play, and relaxation. The sluggard would do anything to avoid the pain of the world. Whereas the cheat risks losing their freedom. You could be arrested, I guess, for doing you know, improper in, in scales. To get money, power, prestige, and position. You cannot separate work and worship. Many years ago, there's a guy called C.H. Spurgeon who led a a church in London. And for the church, you had to have an an interview to become a member. And so people said, I just don't want to go on a Sunday. I want to be in. And so to become a member, you had to have an interview with one of the church leaders. And there was a maid who has an interview with C.H. Spurgeon. And at the interview, it's like, how has Christ made a difference in your life? I don't know how you would answer that question. The maid said, I no longer sweep the dust underneath the corner of the carpet. And Spurgeon said, Enough said, you can join the church. Because he thought your relationship with Jesus impacts the way you work, and therefore you're a believer. I thought it was a fascinating take. You see, if we go back, and I believe that although there's 66 books in here, there is one theme that runs right the way through, one story. So if we go back to Genesis, Genesis 1 and 2, it makes sense of the whole story. Before sin entered the world, we were created to work, because God is a creator, and he created us to work. When I was a kid, we used to... I can't even remember where it came from. There was this thing, uh, what was it? Hang the twerp who invented work. And there was this sort of song, and it's almost like, oh, God, who would I invent work? Well, actually, the Bible would say God created work because God's a creator, and we're made in his image. Ken Costa, he's a South African banker, but he lives here in London, says it "It is deep in God's character to work because it is deep in God's character to serve. And so therefore, if we are made in God's image, we are made to work. It's not like this thing, oh, I'm desperately going to get out of. I believe, therefore, that God gives work, dignity, and rhythms. Zwingli, he was the leader of the Reformation in Switzerland. He died in the 1500s. So there is nothing in the universe so like God as the worker. You see, if you read the book of Genesis, you find that every day, God created And every evening, God rested. Every day, God created. Every evening, God rested. Every day, God created. Every evening, God rested. God established this rhythm. God didn't need to rest because he was tired. He never grows tired or weary. He's the almighty God. But we're made in his image. So there's a sense of we are to work and we are to rest. Adam and Eve had identity in their relationship with God. And from this flowed fruitfulness in the garden. Now, sadly, in church history, we've ended up di- dividing our life for God and our sense of work. And it's almost like, oh, well, if I think about God, it's, I don't know, it's two hours on a Sunday morning. Or if I think about God, it's when well, I go to the prayer meeting on Wednesday night. And so the danger had become that it's almost like, oh, well, this is our God bit, our sacred part of life, and this is our secular part of life. And over church history, it got divided. But actually, during the Reformation, it was 500 years ago, when they started going back to the Bible and saying, what's the Bible say? How do we avoid these traditions? They realised that actually work is your godly life. Martin Luther, the German professor of theology, again, who was in the 1500s, said this, Your work is a very sacred matter. God delights in it, and through it, he wants to bestow his blessing on you. Therefore, I would like to suggest to us as a church that work is your holy calling. Monday is as important to you as Sunday. So whether you're a student, a parent, whether you're retired and you think, I volunteer at the food bank, what you do Monday through Saturday is as important as a holy calling as coming together on a Sunday. Dave Devonish, he leads a church, or, or did to be honest, in Bedford. He said this Kingdom people are not lazy at work. They see work as part of their mission to the world. Oh, because we're made in God's image. It's my privilege to serve. Billy Graham, some of you would have heard of Billy Graham, and he died uh, last year, 2018, was considered one of the best known Christians all around the world. Apparently, he used to have a sign hung up in his kitchen over the sink. And on this sign, it said this, divine service conducted here three times a day. (laughs) You know, it's almost this thing. Actually, we all think of Billy Graham. He was the guy who preached to millions of people around the world and met presidents. But he said, actually, washing up in the sink was divine service. There's a sense of let's not separate Now, I guess the real challenge for most of us is not Genesis 1 and 2, where we see that we're made in the image of God and God works, and therefore we're talking. The real challenge is Genesis 3. Because in Genesis 3, we know that sin enters the world, that they break their relationship with God, they break their relationship with each other, and work gets hard. Genesis 3, verse 17, as as a result of sin is says this cursed is the ground because of you through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life it will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food it's almost like the curse makes life hard work doesn't it how many of us if we're really honest put our headphones in the bag and come out and they're knotted up you think why has that happened well, it's the curse of God, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? They don't just naturally fall in the nice thing. well, all of you are saying, Pete, don't have headphones that need wires anymore. <laughs> but that's, that's the challenge of life. Life can feel hard work. Why? Because of the curse. Adam, you will have to sweat, and the ground will produce thorns. Eve, you'll have pain in childbirth. The danger is, therefore, that we, when we approach work, it, it's how do we approach the curse? And some of us think we can fix the curse and become our own saviour. If I work hard enough, I'll provide for myself. Or if I don't work at all, I can avoid the pain of the curse. Okay, let me ask a question. I am sure most of you say, Pete, I'm not a sluggard. I'm not a slacker. Let me ask you the question then. Are you the cheat? Are you the cheat? Now, you could say to me, no, 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 I pay all my taxes except do you cheat your family are you doing emails at home in the evening when you should be at home with your wife oh I hadn't thought like that you see they were cheating the system because they wanted personal gain and we might not cheat others but do we cheat our family oh it's going quiet in here this morning isn't it good job I'm only doing one other people are preaching the rest of the series or you won't be coming back Okay, let me ask you another question. Do you cheat the church? What do you mean by that? We believe in community. It starts at 10 o'clock. But you rock up at 22.11. Because you don't think, I'm there for others. I'm there for myself. Do you cheat God? Because on a Wednesday night, when we gather to pray, you think, I, I, I'm not going to take time out of my week. Do you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be really, really busy because then I'm going to earn more money. Or do you say, no, actually... God, you call me to come and pray. Are we cheating people because we're so committed to work in our own glory? Oh, maybe I do fall in this. I'll be honest, I feel challenged myself. I just think if I work, if I work, if I work a bit harder, we go a bit quicker, get a bit bigger, do a bit better. How am I trusting God? Says in Proverbs, Proverbs 16, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The danger is, as a cheat, I try and do it all on my own. Paul says this when he writes to the church in Colossians whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. That is the key, not the human master, since you know you receive an inheritance from God as the Lord as a reward. It is Christ just, oh, wow, that that changes my whole motivation. I'm not going to be lazy because I'm doing this for God. I'm not going to cheat other people or my family because I'm living for God. Martin Luther King, he was a Baptist minister as well as the civil rights leader, said this, If it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweet Sweep streets like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great sweeper who swept his job well. It's almost like whatever God calls you to do, it's not about you. It's not about you avoiding the pain of the curse. Or it's not about you trying to be your own saviour. It's about living for him. Tozer, he was an American pastor and author. He said, it's not what man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It is why he does it. So actually, all of this, the whole book, should ultimately point us to Jesus. And how do we find Jesus? Well, Jesus is the embodiment of wisdom. Jesus, we believe, was born of a virgin. He was 100% God and 100% man. He kept the law. He was perfect. He delighted in the law. But he was arrested, betrayed, crucified, died, and rose again. And and because of Jesus, that should change our relationship with work. Uh, let Let me have a little look at a few of these things. You see, a cheat, which is I'm suggesting more in the room, a cheat is easy to overwork because we want to benefit from the affections of others. I want their affirmation, their love. And yet, if we understand who Jesus is, we know we are loved by him, not by the job we do. Do not look to yourself, look to God. Let's go do a few examples, maybe this will help. Are you busy, over-busy, because you need to prove yourself? Because actually, the Bible talks about the liberating grace of God. God is my saviour, not myself. I think the danger is we suddenly get into this culture. We've all got to do so many hours and do so much. It's almost like I've, I've just got to try and prove myself. Whereas actually the gospel says, God loves you. There's grace. Are you busy, over busy, the cheat, because of other people's expectations? Oh, I think everyone's just expecting me to do it. Because the gospel talks about the liberating fear of God. God is my master. Nobody else. Oh, wow, so the gospel is really going to change the way I relate to work. Because I used to always think, I've got to work, I've got to work. People have got to see that I work because there's expectations. No, I live for God. Are you over busy? Because otherwise things get out of control. God, if I'm not there doing it, if I'm not making it happen, it's going to be a disaster. The gospel says God rules. God is my provider. I've got to trust. Oh, wow. So actually, if I really understand the gospel, it it impacts my whole relationship with work. Are you over busy because you prefer being under pressure? Oh, I love it, don't you? Adrenaline junkies. How hard could we run at life? You know, my sort of philosophy has always been this, I'd much rather, you know, burn out than rust out. Uh, but actually God is my refuge that's what the gospel says it's not I've got to overdo God is my tower that I come to okay are you over busy here's the London challenge because I want to make the most out of life oh yeah I'm going to do this this and this I want to pack my days what does the gospel say there's a sense of eternity, and God is truly my hope, not what I cram into the days on this life. You see, often we work to gather lots of stuff that we cannot take with us when we go. Often we work and we almost build this, this kingdom, where surely the gospel says, Jesus is my treasure. Surely I should be living for him and knowing him. So, what about the sluggard? Many of you say, Oh, no, that's. But I'd like for those in the room that say, Actually, Paul writes to the church and says, don't be idle. 2 Thessalonians 3, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. I'm not going to say which television programs you should or shouldn't watch. You know, there are some people that seem to have watched them all. Binge on box sets, you know what I'm saying? And then they suddenly think, oh, God, I haven't got time to go to a prayer meeting, but I have seen a whole box set this week. How do we keep from those that would just drag us from that? As I said, the sluggard avoids going out in the city because there's a lion in this. Pete, are you making that up? No, I'm not. It's here in Proverbs 22. There's a lion outside. There was no lion outside. So why had they become a sluggard? because there was a sense of fear fear that they could fail and some of us if we're really honest we stop taking risks for God we stop giving 100% because we think well if i try and it doesn't happen i failed and i don't want to fail so i won't bother trying i wanna suggest that we find real rest not in our work but in our jesus Here's a confession for you. Nick and I have just had uh, four days in Prague. It was lovely. You know what I'm saying? We did the bus tour. We did the boat tour. We went to the castle. You know, we went to the monastery. And then we both got up this morning and said, golly, I do feel tired. You see, the challenge is that we so often think of rest as a place. Whereas actually what Proverbs would teach us is rest is a person. We don't escape from life. To have our, you know, if, if we live life in such a way that we've got to get away and suddenly get four days so that I can breathe again. We've missed it. Rest is knowing Christ. I, I was raised in a Baptist church and whenever we went on holiday, we only ever a holiday in this country with my parents. We'd always go to church on the Sunday. Didn't matter where we were in the country, we'd go and find another Baptist church. And obviously, I'm under grace now. So for years, I've not done that. So by my life, I was saying that my rest was in a place, not a person. Funny, last year, we were on holiday. God, it sounds terrible going through your holidays, doesn't it? (laughs) Last year, on holiday in Lisbon. And Nikki said, why don't we go to church on the Sunday? And we found this church, and we went along. There you go. God, I'm looking holy now, aren't I? It was probably the highlight of my holiday. I'll be honest, when we started worshipping, I must have cried three times just in the time of worship. I thought, God is in this place, and I feel undone. Because rest is not in a place, it's in a person. And I think even in London, our challenge is we think, oh, if I go and have that meal at that restaurant, if I get for this weekend in the Seychelles, you know what I'm saying? If I could have this spa event, oh, I feel rested. And actually what we discover is true rest, the true Sabbath is Christ. Okay, this sounds heavy. If it's heavy, forgive me. If you're tired this week, come to the prayer meeting. You think, oh, but Pete, that's another event. No, it's it's encountering him. And if we believe the Sabbath encounters him, that would refresh your whole week. Oh, but Pete, I'm so tired. I've commuted. 54 minutes because I'm a bit above the national average. I would say, come to the prayer meeting because you encounter him, it changes everything. Oh, the kids, Pete, you don't always like I'm running around with the kids. Come to the prayer meeting because if Sabbath is a person and when two or three gather, oh, it changes everything. What do you feel God's saying to you this morning? Don't waste your life. How do you approach work? Would you say that to honest, I'm probably, I've probably been a bit lazy. you think actually, yeah, you know, I can fill a whole day doing very little at the moment. Or actually, you're the extent you think, actually, I've probably cheated my family, my church, my God. Because works become my everything. Actually, I believe if we look at the message of Proverbs, the way we work explains something of how we worship. And actually, true worship is only found in Jesus Christ. True purpose, true identity, true rest is really found in Him. I would love us to pray. I don't know whether it's you going to an office or whether you're at home. I don't know whether you're a parent or whether you're retired. How will you worship God this week? How will you invest your time? How do you know him in the midst of all these things? What we don't want to do is suddenly get to the end of our days and think, Oh God, I I never read the book of Proverbs because there's so many principles here for knowing God. Let me just take a moment. I know Richard just be playing something, but it's really good just for us to say, so Oh God, speak to me. I don't want to be condemned, but I do want to be convicted. I do want to hear the Holy Spirit in all of this. I do want to know Jesus in the midst of a city. You haven't got to flee the city. You've just got to run to Jesus. Jesus, we do want to give our lives to you. We started by singing about that this morning. I pray that you'd help us to know what that really looks like for each one of us. We're not coming to establish some rules. We just want to know the principles here. I read a stat while preparing for this. 50% of Londoners claim they're tired. But if that's true of this room, how do we come and get refreshed in him? It's not, oh, if I have a lie in, I'm not going to say you never need some of those things. But actually, how do we come to him? How do we know we've Sabbathed in him? We've prayed to him. We've listened to that personal worship selection on Spotify and we've got refreshed in him.